Your dreams and vision will dictate where you go in life. You can't get more out of life without believing you deserve more. Fear is a very, very real emotion. There's not a person alive that does not experience fear on some level. Don't you believe that for a minute? I face it all the time. Fear is so big and so prevalent today. Nothing produces more failure than does fear. It is the fear of failure that freezes people before they even start. It is the fear of failure that causes you not to want to deal with the rejection and the potential hurt that failure causes. So fear cripples you on so many levels. But how is it that some people somehow manage to get by anyway? What is it that you can do that would help you overcome whatever fear you're facing? Well, here's what I was taught. And this has helped me in my life, my career, my family, my jobs, my ambition, everything. You overcome fear with your dreams. I want y'all to listen to me closely now. You overcome fear with your dreams. Steve, how my dreams gonna make me overcome my fear? Cause I want you to listen to me. Because the dream is everything. The Bible says a man without a dream or a vision shall perish. The dream is everything. See, if you have no dreams and visions, you will perish. You will die in fear. You will die sitting somewhere in fear without dreams or visions. Dreams are the counterpoint to all fear. I want you to dream so big. I want you to want something so incredible. I want you to dream of having something that's so spectacular that if it doesn't happen, you would be miserable. Man, if I don't make this dream come true, I'm going to be miserable. I want you to dream so big that not reaching your dreams is unacceptable. You cannot live in this world without the dream and the vision. You can live in this world without your mother, your father, your brother. You can live in this world without a wife, a husband. You can live in this world without a lot of things. But what you cannot live in this world without is dreams and visions. You will perish without those things. You have to dream of something and want something. That's what keeps pushing you forward. So if you want to overcome your fear, you do it with your dreams. And here's the side note. God is in to make your dream come true business. Ain't he? He do it all the time. I'm telling you, man, God does it all the time. He makes people's dreams come true. What are you dreaming about? Explore what you're really dreaming about so you can lose your fear. You're afraid to open your business because if your business fails, you lose the money you save and you won't open your business because you might lose your job when your boss find out. Dream bigger. Dream of what opening that business could do for you. The feeling of freedom that you would have. The, the extra money you could make, what you could do for your family, the things you could leave a legacy of. Maybe your dream ain't big enough. Maybe you got the dream of owning a large company. Maybe a mom and pop store. 
Maybe you dream of climbing the corporate ladder. Maybe you dreaming of becoming the supervisor or the CEO of the company. You got to dream so big that if this dream don't happen, you'll be miserable. Once you can do that, you can press through your fears. You can move forward. You can get on with it. I'm telling y'all, I was taught this. Dream so big that you can't imagine your life without living your dream. Let me teach you something. How many of you have a dog? How many of you have ever had a dog that had a flea on him? That's everybody. You ever seen a flea? One of the smallest insects. Really small. One of the smallest insects. But for his height and size, and flea has the highest vertical leap in nature for an insect. A flea can jump, has a 36-inch vertical. A flea, man, can come 36 inches off the ground. His vertical is 36. The average person can't do that. But a flea can jump 36 inches off the ground. If you capture the flea and you put him in a mayonnaise jar and you put the lid on it, the flea know one thing. I got a 36-inch vertical. So here he go. He start jumping. But he gonna hit himself on that lid because he got that lid on it. But after a while, after getting knocked down so many times, the flea makes an adjustment. So now the flea only jumps just to where he don't get knocked back down. He got 36 vertical, but since this lid is on, his environment got him now jumping nowhere near what he can. Capture some more fleas and put them in there. They got 36 verticals, but then they start jumping. They find out they keep getting knocked down. They start doing what the other fleas is doing. Next thing you know, I got a jar full of fleas and they ain't even using a 36 inch vertical because they got a lid on the jaw. Them fleas have babies. Them babies is born into the conditions of the environment. So now guess what? The flea is born with a 36 inch vertical, but because he see his mama and daddy and all his cousins and friends jumping just barely to the roof, you know what he do? He duplicates that behavior. The flea never reaches his potential. Until you take the top off of your mayonnaise jar, you're going to duplicate your surroundings. If you take an oak tree seed and you put it in a two-foot pot, that seed will never become the oak tree that oak trees are capable of becoming because it's going to get stifled by the two-foot pot. Now check this out. Ain't nothing wrong with the seed. The seed just fell prey to the environment. You are a seed from God. God made you in his likeness. He big, he vast. Don't you allow your environment to dictate the oak tree that you become. Because ain't nothing wrong with your seed. All of y'all got this wonderful gift that he gave you at birth. All y'all got one, you better believe that now. Don't die with this gift and don't never use it. All of y'all got this wonderful gift but you gotta use it. Take your seed, take your gift. Get away from these people that's in your life that ain't doing nothing. Get away from people in your life that's hating. Get away from your family members that ain't ever opened the business. That ain't, get away from your family members that ain't ever followed their dreams. Get away from your family members that ain't never been nowhere but to the family reunion. Ain't never been to a beach. Get away from them. Get away from them. I had to do it. When I told everybody I was getting into comedy, man, 
Oh, Lord have mercy. You can't get into comedy. You ain't even funny. How you gonna make money telling jokes? Now, in the beginning, it looked like they was right. But I never gave up. All I did was identify this gift. I wrote all of my visions down. I read them every morning and every night. And I instilled them in my head. And every time I met somebody, they say, hey man, what you trying to do? I would tell them one of my visions. Somebody would always say to me, you know, I know a guy that's selling them things right there. You ought to talk to him. I start scratching stuff off my vision board. My vision board is so vast now. If I showed you what was on it, you wouldn't even believe it. Because I dream so big. I want so big because the God I serve is big. He's not a small God. He's a really, really big God. He does really, really big stuff. And I expect him to do really, really big stuff for me. If he'd have done it for Oprah, if he'd have done it for the Obamas, whoever got, why I can't have this here? I'm going to do better with it than all of them. To me, but why you can't have that? That's how you get what you want in life now. You don't have to believe me, but here's the deal. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. If I just told you a different way to go about it, you don't need no money. I just gave you some scriptures you could try and some principles. If somebody who had come from the bottom and got to this position I'm in told me that this is the way I would try, if I was you, I would try that. I bet you it'll work. There's a difference between your passion and your gift. Your passion is something that you enjoy doing. Like I'm passionate about golf. But it ain't what I do. It's, I suck. It's just not what I do. I'm gifted at words. I'm gifted at that. So before you strike off into script writing, determine your gift. Whatever it is you're trying to do, you must first determine if it is your gift. And don't pursue things that you're passionate about. Pursue the thing that you are gifted at. All of you are gifted. Every last one of you, God gave you a gift at birth, all of you. God never created a soul without giving him a gift. All of you have a gift. Your job is to discover the gift. It's very simple. It's the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. That's your God-given gift. Anything else you're doing, you're wasting your time. Unless you ain't no singer, the you singing for? Now, I don't care how good you sound at the church. Church let everybody sing. They let anybody go up there and say, I wasn't walking by myself with the Lord. Man, why is your singing? But they're not gifted. Discover the gift. So you should ask yourself first, is writing the gift? Is writing the gift? Now, the writing may not lead you to screenwriting or movies. It may lead you to books. But the first thing you need to do is writing your gift. If it's your passion, you're wasting your time. You're going to write a book that don't nobody like but you. I was watching Joel Osteen on TV one day and he said, people's opinion of you is none of your business, nor should you make it yours. You, you get in a lot of trouble worrying about what somebody think about you. 
when really what difference do it make? Whether they wrong or right, what, what difference do it make? The majority of people who have a negative viewpoint of you really don't even know you. What I found about being successful is it wasn't me who changed. It was people's opinion of me that changed. You know, I got more, but and I'm the same dude, but your opinion of me has changed. Now you think I think I'm all that, when in actuality, I really am humble by all this. I really can't believe God let me have it. I really do understand that I am here, but by the grace of God. I'm clear about that. I, I am so clear about that. It ain't me. It's not me. See, I know the decisions I made, and I know how it got me where I got to. I know how my life turned out when I gave it over to him. I gave my life to God. Now, I may not be the Christian you think I ought to be, but once again, your opinion of me, it doesn't matter to me. I've just learned not to allow people opinion of me to bother me or stop me. Publicly, man, I've been ridiculed and ate alive on that internet. You this, he think he this, I can't stand him. He this, he that, you know, I've been everything on the internet. I don't care. When you get through reading that stuff, cut your TV on. Turn it to almost any channel you want to. Seven days a week. The little dude that you keep hating on, that God I serve, he ain't hated me yet. He ain't hated me not now time. And I've discovered something. Look, man, what God got for you, nobody, no hater, no employer, no co-worker can stop nothing God has for you. God is in the blessing business, but better than that, he's in the forgiving business. See, if God wasn't a forgiving God, I'm not here today. But God had to forgive me over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I can't count the times he done forgave me. See, I just never let my failures define me. See, when you make a mistake, just get them go again. What you tripping for? I made public mistakes, man. Let me tell you something, man. When I, uh, uh, Miss Universe, I have to apologize. I took that myself. You know how many people wrote me off? You know how many letters I got from TV execs? We're proud of you for doing the right thing, but oh my God, oh my God, a horrible mistake. I hope you're going to be okay. You hope I'm going to be okay? Well, my career over because of that? People wrote me off. You know what? I just got up. I got up. I kept coming to work. I'm back. I just kept coming. I kept showing up. Because eventually, well, what you going to do? The time has come. You know, my father used to always tell me something. You're going to either get over it or die mad. You got two choices. You can get past it or you can die mad. Now, if you want to die mad, carry your ass off and just die mad. But God forgave me, so I got up and I kept going. Your mistakes don't define you. Life is 10% of what happened to you. It's 90% what you do about it. I just stood up like I had some dignity. And I just kept performing, kept telling jokes, kept entertaining people. To the part now where it don't even matter. That pageant is the biggest pageant they've ever had. Everybody tune in and see who the f I'm going to say this year.
just just keep living, y'all. Keep waking up in the morning. I'm Ephesians 3.20 all day long. I expect God to do exceedingly and abundantly over all I think I ask because I honor him. His blessings will chase me down and overtake me. I will be in the right place at the right time. People will go out of their way to be good to me because that is my declaration as a servant of the Lord. I'm his child. I am an imperfect soldier for Christ. That's what I am. I'm an imperfect soldier for Christ. I'm in the army of the Lord, but I, but I have a role to play. Success is not a comfortable procedure. It is a very uncomfortable thing to attempt. So you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable if you ever want to be successful. Start putting some pressure on. Put some pressure on yourself. Get out here and get about it. Look, I'd love to sugarcoat this thing for you. I'd love to tell you, look, you can go out here and get rich, do a couple of things, that ain't, that ain't happening. You got to get real doggish. You got to get downright funky if you want to make it. Now, like I was telling you before, if you want to be ordinary, you ain't even got to listen to me. Just go on about your business. If you think ordinary's cool, ain't no problem. It's some really, really wonderful ordinary people. But if you are sitting in this room, and you have extraordinary aspirations, then you're going to have to do extra. You put extra on top of extra, on ordinary, and you come up with extraordinary. It's no other way. I'm sorry. But here's the fact. All of you have extraordinary capabilities. All of you. You have to decide if you are willing to do the things to put you in that category. Rich people don't sleep eight hours a day. That's a third of your life. It ain't but 24 hours in a day. You cannot be sleep eight hours a day. You can't live in L.A. and wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's 11 o'clock on the East Coast. The stock market been open two hours. They already making decisions about your life and your ass will sleep. The Bible says, he who loves to sleep and the folding of hands, poverty will set upon you like a thief in the night. If you are not happy with your life, it's because you're not living in your gift and you are decided to pursue a passion. But I, I can't win no money. I can't make the cut. I'm a 16 handicap. That's on a good day. People, I wanted to play in the NBA. When I was growing up, I wanted to play in the league. That was my goal, to play in the NBA. Well, I wasn't gifted at it, though. I mean, There's a couple of problems. If I ran at full speed... I didn't have the ball, and when I shot it, it ain't go in a lot of times. Now you put that together, you can get, you can quit talking about the NBA. My gift was I had the ability, and I didn't know it at a young age, but I had the ability to take information instantly and transform it into comedy. I didn't know that was a gift. I just thought it was something I did. It got me in more trouble. That I've ever, it, it has been the biggest curse because when you're young, you don't know it's a gift, you're just doing it. Now, as I got older, this gift has transformed a little bit. I can take information and turn it into inspiration. I can take information and turn it into motivation. And the reason I'm here today is because my life has been jacked up. And I have learned and mastered something. I've mastered the principles of success. You can't tell me I can't. I, that's what I've done. I've mastered the principles of success. I know them by heart, inside out, you can't tell me nothing about it.
about success, I cannot help but intertwine faith in that. So if you don't really care for the faith piece, you ain't going to really care for me. Because I cannot tell you how I made it without telling you about God or the principles. Every principle of success, it comes from God Almighty. It's in whatever religious reading you read. I don't, that's not my business what you believe in. You just got to believe in something I told a group earlier. I don't care what you call God. You can call God Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh. You can call him whatever you want to call him. Just call him, though. It, it's not in my business what you call him. I don't care. But I cannot stand here and talk to you about my road to success. I cannot inspire these young people that I tried to get to earlier today and not intertwine faith. So I'm sorry if that ain't your thing. But y'all done paid me now, so here I am. I got the money wired to my account, so here it is. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Uh, I tell people all the time, you know, and I was talking to young people, and what I try to get people to understand is, I don't care who you are in this room, if, if you if you got into a place in your life where you felt like, you know, life should have been more for you, or you're trying to figure your life out, there's one simple way to get it done. God, when he created all of us, he never created an individual without bestowing a gift in them. And God put that gift in all of us. Some of you are gifted in teaching, networking, counseling, sharing, life-saving. Some of you are caretakers, but you're gifted. If you work in your gift, you now find your purpose in life, a real meaning for waking up in the morning. You know, a lot of people, you, you know people that get up and go to work in the morning, they're just miserable. They hate driving to work. They hate their job. They hate their co-workers because they ain't doing what they want to do with their life. Now, that, that's not your fault. That's their fault. But God, when he created all of us, he gave all of us a gift. We were born with a gift at birth. God ain't made nobody and gave them a gift. Now, the thing of it is, if you stop looking at your gift as running, jumping, singing, dancing, then you can get on with your life. But so many people are pursuing their passion instead of pursuing their gift. Most of you have mastered the principles of success. But when you're talking to young people, you're talking to some people that ain't mastered that aspect yet. It's our job to teach young people the principles of success. They got to learn from your mistakes. See, I messed my life up so I could turn around and talk about it one day. I've been divorced twice. I've lost everything I own in my life twice. I lost it all again in 2005. At the end of 2005, I had $1,700. In 2005, I had made millions of dollars. I had $1,700 at the end of 2005. I've been homeless. I lived in a car for three years. I learned some principles, and I started applying. See, I'm a little bit different Christian than most people right here. I just happen to be a little bit more real about it. You know, uh, I don't really know where a lot of scriptures are in the Bible. I just happen to know what's in there and what ain't in there. And I had a lady the other day on my show. I had slipped up and cussed on one of the commercial breaks because I've been working on my cussing. But uh, it, it, that's not really working for me. I have just come to the conclusion that I'm just going to be a cussing Christian. I've been trying to get it and shake it, but it ain't working for me, man. And I accidentally cussed on the commercial break, and the lady, I could tell she was a little put off by it. And I didn't mean to. You know, I don't want to be offensive to people, but, you know, I was just talking naturally. And she just stood up and said, I have a question for you, Mr. Hart. She said, so how's your walk going with Christ? 
I thought about it. I said, well, I walk tall, I walk strong with long strides and a slight limp. And that's how I walk. Now, if you ain't got no limp to your walk, congratulations. Mine has a slight limp to it. And every now and then, the flaws that I have come out. See, the difference between me and a lot of people, I happen to be famous. So my flaws have a microphone and a spotlight and the internet connected to it. You might can make your mistake at the house and don't nobody know nothing about it. But I got people watching me all day long. So what I've learned in this journey along the way of having my life as twisted as it was, I've learned the principles of success. I've learned how to get back up how to fall and fail, get written off, say you ain't gonna ever be nothing. I've learned how to start over. I've learned how to take one heap of all my winnings and risk it on one turn or pitch and toss, lose and start again at my beginnings and never once breathe a word about my loss. Yeah, I've learned stuff like that. That's Rudyard Kipling, in case you didn't recognize that little poem. I stole that. That's when I was paying a little bit of attention in college. I didn't get the degree, but I was listening just a little bit. And when I talk to you, I try to, I, to get people to identify with these principles. The greatest thing that you could do in your life, I told the kids earlier, you know, we're at a college institute, so it kind of trips people out a little bit when I say this. And I tell them how important it is to get your education, yada, 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 because we're at a college, that's what I got to say. But then I turn right around and I tell them the truth, though. The most important thing in your life ain't your education. The most important thing in your life is your dream. See, the scripture says, a man without a dream or a vision shall perish. Don't say nothing about education. Now, you got to have one if you're going to climb to certain jobs and go into corporate letter and be in banking and be in finance and all this stuff y'all doing. But it's the dream that propels you. Look, man, we got to break this thing down real simple for people someday. Quit acting bougie like you've been rich all your life. Yeah, that's what kill me. You know, I come to these functions, everybody sit up, they lean back in their chair, they speak proper grammar, they get their nose up. You act like you had money all your life. I ain't have money all my life. I come into some money, but I've been scrapping and hustling and grinding and trying to get over. And so have you. But then you get here and you don't have no memory of that. Because now your life is fixed. And so now when you talk to young people, you, you don't talk to them from the perspective of you made mistakes too. You don't talk to young people like, hey, been there, done that. I smoke weed in college too, man. I know I know where you at. You don't want to tell them that. Now, Clinton smoked weed. He the president of the United States. I'm going to probably say a lot of stuff. I already know that I'm not coming back next year. That's clear. I ain't got no problem. See, that's why I get my money wired to me. Because I already know I'm going to mess around and say something. I'm going to throw somebody into something. Because I see a couple of looks on y'all's face right now. But I don't really care. I'm out of here. I'm going to go get on this jet. I'm going to go down here. My wife down in Miami, man. I'm going to go sleep with my wife tonight. I don't care what y'all do. I was telling you about your gift. This is how you save yourself a lot of trouble. Now, this may apply to some adults in this room. Maybe not. Your gift is the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. That's your God-given gift. You ain't got to trip on it, wonder about it. It's what you do better than anything else. Now, whether you've chosen to make that your life's work or not, that's your choice. But I got news for you. If you don't ever pursue that, you ain't gonna ever be happy. It's some unhappy people in this room today. 
because there's some people in here doing what people expect them to do and doing what was required of them and they just got locked into it. Now you got bills and the family and you don't really want to pursue your dream. So now you got the job and you just going to ride it all the way out. There ain't nothing wrong with that. If your job is what you gifted at doing, this man is going to retire this year. But he's been in the education of young people's minds. He's been shaping young people's minds for 30 years like that. That's what he was gifted to do. If you're sitting up in here and you ain't happy and you in misery, it's because you ain't pursued your gift. And I'm telling them young people over there with them blue shirts on and them striped ties, find out what your gift is and pursue it with everything in you. Because ain't nothing worse than getting a degree and you don't even want it after you get it. Because a degree ain't nothing but a piece of paper hanging on a wall. Now it signifies that you have the ability to complete a task, but your life is made up of what you do with it. Life is 10% what happens. It's 90% of what you do about it. You got to do something with your life, man, that makes your heart beat in the morning when you wake up. See, people ask me all the time, how you do all these jobs, Steve? Because I like all my jobs. You cut your radio on 240 times a year. I do a four-hour live radio show. How you do that every morning? Well, the main reason they got a nice check, but other than that, I wake up in the morning, I give people some inspiration, I play music, and I tell jokes. Okay, boom, I like doing that. Then I go to a talk show. I live in Chicago eight uh, months out of the year, 34 weeks. I tape 180 talk shows in Chicago. How you do that every day? Because I love doing it. Then I go to Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. And in nine weeks, I tape 200 episodes of Family Feud. Man, how you tape all them shows? Once again, they have a check attached to this. But I love what I do. If you cut your TV on, it's obvious that I love what I do. I'm always smiling because God has given me the life of my dreams because I'm living in the gift he gave me. If you live in your gift, man, it changes your life. Do something about your gift. Listen to me, I don't care what job you got now. If it's something that really burns on the inside of you, you ought to go do that. I don't care how old you are. How come you think Kentucky Fried Chicken, how come you think that man on the side, how, why you think he old? Because his recipe got discovered when he was 68. That ain't the picture of the colonel when he was 35. But he been frying chicken. You know, he didn't just wake up and start frying chicken. He been frying chicken with this secret recipe for years. It took him a long time for it click, but he kept frying chicken, man. So he became the biggest chicken joint in the world. You can't go nowhere and don't see Kentucky Fried Chicken. That ain't real chicken. But when he was living, it was real chicken, though. It really was chicken. It was the actual parts. If you peel that skin off that Kentucky Fried Chicken, you're in for a surprise. It don't look nothing like... But he hit it. When is it too late to hit it? When is it really too late to hit the jackpot? When is it? When you're 60, that's too late. You don't want to be rich then? What, just 65, too late for you to be rich? When is it too late to hit it? Man, put some spark in your life. Have something to wake up about that make your heart beat in the morning. Have a joyous spirit when you wake up in the morning. Here's another principle of success. I'm going to tell you what rich people talk about all the time. You know what rich people talk about all the time? They talk about money all the time. All the principles of success is in the Bible. See, a man is as he thinks. So, what you think 
excuse the grammar, but that's what you is. Don't think it make better sense. Bad grammar makes better sense sometimes. If a man is as he thinketh, then what you think is what you is. That make real good sense to me. See, yeah, I like to keep it where people remember stuff I say. So rich people, you know what they do to talk about money. Now when you talk about money around people, they get tight because they don't want to hear the money. Well, money is not everything and, and money, money can't buy you happiness. They ain't got no money. Money might not buy you happiness, but it park you right in front of happy house. You can get out, ring doorbell, see if happy home. There's nothing wrong with money. People, so many things have been said over the years. When rich people get together, they talk about money. They talk about business all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. See, we, we go to church and we learn the wrong thing. You know what messed me up, man? When I was little, I went to church in, in Cleveland, you know, and a preacher would always say, it's as hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven as it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Now, me and the rest of the ignorant members, we thought that you was trying to take a needle with a sewing thread and push a camel through it. All the people in my church collectively decided they didn't want to be rich because they wanted to go to heaven. I was sitting there at 10 year old. I wasn't really buying into this because I was trying to figure out how I was going to get this camel into this hole. Because I didn't know what they was talking about because I wanted to be rich. Because this po poverty was, I was allergic to it. I itched all the time. I just came from being poor. You know, I just, it's just fine just to be digging in yourself sometimes. Because you're poor. poor. Poverty is uncomfortable. First of the month come, your whole butt tighten up. You, just like somebody squeezing lemon juice down the crack of your behind. Because it's the first of the month. All this stuff is due. Shop. That's your butt. Shop. Just tighten it up. Because you ain't got the money. Why would I not want no money? I live in the hood. I want out. I need money to get out. But at my church, they say, it's as hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven as it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. So I bought into that. I was about 30, about almost 38. I was in Hollywood. I was driving down the street. I ran up in the Donnie McClurk. He was coming out of the studio on Sunset. I was in the truck smoking a cigar. I saw Donnie. I said, hey, man, what's happening? He said, hey, Steve, man. This was one of the first years I had hosted Celebration of Gospel. And uh, I was going to quit hosting Celebration of Gospel because I didn't like the gospel community because they didn't like me. You know, backstage, they'd be saying stuff like, I don't know why he is hosting our gospel show. He ain't saved. I don't know what y'all talking about. I'm, I'm here for the check. I'm, let's be clear about this. I've been in church my whole life, but you know, I, I got, I ain't living no perfect life and I wasn't, but you know, that was my life at the time. And I was going to quit and I was telling Donnie, I was thinking about quitting. He said, man, why are you going to quit? I was telling him, man, I said, man, I'm just, I'm just confused right now, man. I said, I don't get it. I said, man, I'm thinking about going back to church, man, but I, you know, you know, I want to go to heaven, but man, I, I, I'm making a finish start making this money, Donnie, and, and it just don't jive with Christianity. He said, what you mean? And I told him what the preacher, that it's hard for a man to get through the kingdom of heaven as it is for a camel through the eye of a needle. So Donnie looked at me a little confused because, you know, he's he a pastor. And I was just telling him, you know, but I'm trying to find a way to, to get the camel 
in needle. He says, Steve, that's not what it means. I said, what does it mean? He says, in the Middle East, a needle is an ark that is stuck in the sand that looks like a wishbone on a chicken. And they have them to entryways sometimes. And when a camel approaches the needle, in order for the camel to get through the needle, he has to kneel and crawl through the needle. And then the camel gets back up. He said, that's what God meant. I said, Donnie, you mean they ain't talking about a sewing needle? He said, fool, you can't put a camel through a sewing needle. After that, I said, I got to go make me some money. I just humble myself before God like I'm going through the needle and he ought to let me in. But I'm going in with some money, though. I uh, became friends with Oprah Winfrey because of uh, <laughs> obvious reasons. We ain't going to keep saying that, but she's a very successful woman. She's a very kind person. You know, everybody get a bad rap on the internet. You know, she thinks she did. Well, you know, a lot of people shoot that. The thing about haters, man, haters kick you when they down and they throw at you when you're up. And they just do it all damn day. They're just haters. You got them on your job. You got them at your church. You got them, uh, you got them. They just hate it. They just hate us. Haters because they ain't got nothing else to do. They want to be you. They can't. So here come the hate. And I, I don't mind haters as long as they throw them because I'm usually up. I, you can throw up at me. I, I don't address you. And I was talking to Oprah one time, and she said, uh, I did a life class with her this past year. And she said, Steve, I never knew you had a vision board. She said, you believe in that? And this is the first time we had a serious conversation. I said, Oprah, well, how, how am I not going to believe in that? Every successful person I know has a vision board. Or they have their goals written down. It, you can't do it without writing it down. When you write it down, it's a symbol of faith. See, I was telling this story earlier about writing it down. You know, teacher, we were in the uh, sixth grade and uh, asked us uh, to write on a piece of paper we came in from summer, what you want to be when you grow up. So everybody filled out the paper. You had to put your name on it, had to write this one thing in 1968. So I wrote, I want to be on TV. Because nobody had told me I couldn't. I was 10. My vision was wide open. So I wrote, I want to be on TV. She collected all the papers. She started going around the room, naming everybody, name had everybody stand up. And she read what they wanted to be. Barbara wanted to be a nurse. Johnny wanted to be a basketball player. Robert wanted to own a gas station. Cindy wanted to be a doctor. She got to me, she waited last. Now, I had never gotten a gold star before. My, all of my years of school. And she asked me to stand. And when I stood, she said, little Stevie, come to the front of the class. Now I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This is the gold star moment. I've been waiting 10 years for this. I ain't never got a star before. This is the day. So I started walking to the front. I'm skinny. I got my brother's clothes on because we were poor. I got up there and she said, Steve, let me ask you something. What did you write on your paper? I said, I want to be on TV. She said, and why did you write that on your paper? I said, because that was our assignment for today. And then she said, what you write that on the paper for? Now I'm thinking to myself, 
judging by the tone of this conversation, this might not be the gold star moment I thought it was going to be. So I started cowering down. And she said, so why did you write it on the paper? And I said, because you asked us to. Voices really softened. She said, do you know anybody on TV? I said, no. Anybody in this school ever been on TV? I said, no. Any of your relatives been on TV? I said, no, ma'am. She said, take this paper. I'm going to call your mama. When you go home, I'm going to tell her you being a smart aleck in this class. Now you take this paper and you come back with something more believable on it. So she pinned a note on me and I had to go home. My mama was waiting on me because she called the house. So my mother said, what you doing up at that school being a smart aleck? I said, mama, I just did what the teacher told me. She read the note. She said, what you write this on your paper? I said, because the lady asked me what I wanted to be. I won't be on TV. She said, I'm telling your daddy when you get home. Well, my father was the executioner. My mother was the warden, and he was the executioner. And I knew when he got home, I was going to get my ass whooped. So, excuse me, I'm sorry, that slipped out. I didn't mean sorry about that. I was going to get my butt whipped. And so, when my father came home, she told my father, look what Steve wrote on this paper. So he read the paper. He said, uh, what's going on here? Said Steve up at that school act like a smart ass. That teacher didn't ask him what he wanted to be, and he didn't put, I want to be on TV. My father read the paper. He said, What's wrong with that? I started thinking, Uh oh, a reprieve. So he said, Boy, go in your room. I'll be in there in a minute. And, and I got my spankings in the room, so I went on in there getting ready. Him and my mother had an argument. My father came in the room. He said, Boy, what you write this on your paper for? I said, because I want to be on TV. He said, what she want you to write on the paper? I said, like a basketball player or a policeman. He said, put that on paper. Take it up to the school and give it to that dream-killing heifer. So I write it. He said, now take your paper. He said, before you go to bed tonight. Now, this is my father now with a third-grade education. My father was a sharecropper in Alabama. He said, read your paper every night before you go to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, read your paper before you go to school. Read your paper every day and read your paper every night. I took my paper up to the school and I turned it in. It took me till I was 38 years old. But I finally, I got on TV. The devil don't care about you. The devil wants to keep you from your destiny. That's his one job. Satan got one job to keep you from your destiny. The devil don't ever want you to be what God created you to be. So guess what? When you discover your gift and you think I'm about to make a move and go be what God created me to be, then here go the devil. You got this job over here. You're going to lose your 401k. Once you get your paper straight, you can skip all of this. You can get yourself started in the process, man. But you got to quit letting the devil keep you from your destiny by tying it to this little job you got. Because he's tricky with it now. He got you thinking, you're going to mess your credit up if you quit your job. What you mean mess your credit up? You overextended now. You got good credit, but you can't buy nothing else with it. If your card max out at 5000 and you got 4090 on it, where we at? Come on, y'all. You're going to have to make a choice, but you can't let the devil fool you. He tried to keep you from being who God made you to be. I'm, yeah, look, man, I don't know if I'm getting through to you, but I want you to hear me.
I do, man. Look, I wish everybody before they die could experience what it feels like to wake up and do what you was born to do. It's so cool, man. It's so cool. If you've been dreaming of opening that business, you should start the process. Don't try to figure out how to make the business make a million dollars. Just start the process. See, if you make one step, he'll make two. But he can't make his two unless you make your one. So you got to start. Fill out the application. Go get the patent. Send in the paperwork. Get your federal ID number. Do something, man. Start creating the website. Let your job sponsor your dreams. Take some of your check money. Quit playing one of them punk bills. Take that money and start your website. What is you talking about now? If you owe Kmart some money and Sears, what is you paying them for? They finna be out of business. Take whatever money you owe Kmart and Sears, take that money, buy your business cards. Take one of your bills one time instead of paying it, start your website. But start. If you make one step, he'll make two. And don't worry about where you're going with it. Just get started. He'll show you the way to go because he wants you to get to your destiny. But he got to make sure that you want to get to your destiny first. If you tell him you want to get to your destiny, that God you serve, he going to show you how to do it. You can believe that. Don't forget to pray. Don't be ashamed to pray. And don't ever be too proud to pray because prayer, prayer changes things. Stay right here on Faith Street, y'all. The box you asked for is coming. Everything on my vision board I get. I, I put, I built on my house one time, my wife wanted a special kind of car. And I built the garage, the extra garage on the house. She came out there and saw them. She said, Steve, what are you doing? I said, I'm building an extra garage. She said, Steve, we got enough cars. What do you need with another garage? Because don't worry about it. Two years went by. I had been looking for this car. I went to dealerships. They said, sir, there are none in that color. I said, she want a white one. I said, so I went to the dealership. I said, I want you to get this car in for my wife. She said, sir, there are none in the country and none being made. I said, okay, well, when the car come in, could you accept it into your dealership and call me when it get here? He said, sir, I done told you. I can pull it up on the computer. There are no cars in that color that make a model. Do you want another color? I said, no, my wife won't white. She said, sir, we don't have that. I said, I already built the garage. I've already built the garage. All my garages have chandeliers in them. I don't have doors that go over. All my cars have chandeliers hanging over. And I have marble floors in my garage because I like, I like stuff like that because I saw it one time. So I said, I've already, I've already built the garage. He said, sir, there are no cars like that anywhere in a computer base. I said, I just need for you when the car comes in. So a year went by. I said, any word on the car? He said, no. I've called the factory. They're not even making anymore in that color. I said, okay, I'm, I'm looking for this color right here. He said, sir, we don't have it. I said, I'm going to give it to her for her birthday, October 10th, 2016. She said, he said, sir, that's impossible. I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's just a car that I'm asking for in a particular color. How that's impossible? He said, sir, I can't find the car. I ain't asked you to. I asked you when it come through, would you accept it into your dealership and call me? That's all I asked you for. Two weeks before my wife's birthday, I got a phone call. It was Perillo from Gold Coast in Chicago. He said, Steve Harvey. He said, are you sitting down? I said, no, I'm standing up. What's happening? He said, you're not going to believe this. 
A guy bought a car a year ago. It's been sitting in his garage. It has eight miles on it. He bought it to me to turn in to me and ask him how much would I give him for? I said, what is it? He said, it's the white car you've been looking for. I said, I'll be up there to get it. He said, this is unbelievable. I said, that God I serve, he's an unbelievable God. I don't listen to what nobody tell me. Once I write it down, I write the vision and make it plain. It will come. Surely it will come at an appointed time. It doesn't matter that nobody sees it. It doesn't matter that it's visible to other people. All you got to do is write it down and believe it. God is greatness, man, all day long. What he's done for me, he'll do the same thing for you. But you got to write the vision. Go home and read Habakkuk 2 and 2. Go home and read Bible verse Habakkuk 2 and 2. Read what it say. If you do that, you'll change your life. Appreciate it. I was uh, 26 years old, man. I was struggling. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have nothing. And these people owned the furniture store in Cleveland. At a, they took me in and gave me my first contract with my little carpet cleaning company. When I became a comedian at 27, I didn't have money to travel. They gave me a account at their travel agency. And man, I ran up a bill like $11,000 just trying to travel and make it. Them people right there, you know. Man, they helped me out. I used to spend the night in hotel parking lots. What was I gonna do? I ain't had nowhere to stay, so I lived in the car. I had $35. And I said, come on, God, man, I've been trying to make this dream come true. You done left me out here like this. And I was crying so hard that he just said, I didn't like hear a voice or nothing, but he spoke to me and however he said, if you get up, I'm going to take you places you ain't never been. Now, I was finna quit. So I said, skip it. I'm going to quit anyway. So I got in my car. I went to a pay phone. And I was going to call my dad. You remember back in the day where you could punch in a code and call your answering machine and get your messages? So I called. And I punched in the code. And the, it said, doop. He said, hey, Steve, this is Chuck Sutton with Showtime at the Apollo. We saw a tape of you. You're very funny. If you could get here Sunday night, uh, we'd love to put you on television. Call me back. Let me know if you could make it. So I hung the phone up. I'm crushed because my whole dream of being on TV and I couldn't get to New York. I got $35. How am I going to get to New York? I can't make it. So I'm standing there at the phone booth and tears just coming down my face. I said, God, so that must be a sign for me to go home. Cause this it, I ain't even got the money to go to the Apollo. My whole thing that wanted to be on TV, I couldn't even make the dream come true. I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is the most messed up moment. And so I said, man, let me call this dude back and see if he said this Sunday. Cause maybe he said next Sunday. And I can hustle up a little bit of money or something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but let me just call him back. So I call him back. Steve, this is Chuck Sutton, Showtime DePaulo. We saw a tape of yours. You're very, very funny. Look, we have an opening Sunday night at Showtime DePaulo. If you can make it, we'd love to put you on TV. I say, it's this Sunday. Before I hit the button, I heard, Doop! you have another message. 
that wasn't there before. So I punched my code in. I listened to the second message. I said, Steve Harvey, this is Tom Sober from the Comedy Caravan. I had, this was a Thursday. He said, I have a gig in Jacksonville, Florida on Friday night that pays $150. If you can get there Friday night, you'll make $150. So I, I called him back and I said, hey, Tom, did you get a gig away? He said, no, it's still available. He said, can you get that? I said, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. I'm three and a half hours away. So I drive to Jacksonville, Florida, and that night I killed. I made the 150. Club owner said, man, you funnier than the guy we hired. If you stay tomorrow night, I'm going to give you another $150. So now I got $300 now. So I get on the phone. I call Chuck Sutton. I said, hey, man, is the gig still available at Showtime at the Apollo? He said, well, we got one opening left. I said, I'll be there. So I called Eastern Airlines, who used to be open back then. They had a special for $99 going from Jacksonville, Florida to New York round trip. So I parked my car at the airport. I got it. Got on a plane, flew. Everything I had was in two bags. Got to the Apollo. I said, hey, man, I'm here. I got there at 11 o'clock in the morning. He said, you can't stay here because you don't come on to the late show tonight. I said, man, I ain't got nowhere to go. I said, if you just let me stay in this building, man, I ain't going to move around nothing. I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm in Harlem. I can't go back out here. I got these two bags. I got victim wrote all over me, man. So he said, all right, if you go upstairs, don't come down. So he put me in the dressing room on the sixth floor. So that's where all the comedians were. So I stayed up there. I got hungry around 3 o'clock, and I couldn't take it no more. So I went back downstairs, dude named Alton Liston. I said, hey, man, he said, man, I thought I told you don't come down them damn steps. I said, hey, man, I'm just hungry, man. I said, let me go to that KFC I saw in the corner. Just let me get some chicken. I'll come right back. He said, man, if you ain't back in 20 minutes, you ain't getting in this building. So I went, bought me some chicken, came back. So the comedians started coming in the building. They started coming up on the sixth floor. So I meet this guy named D.L. Hugo. I introduce myself. He introduced himself. I'm sitting there. Another guy come in named Dwayne Johnson. Then this other dude walked in named Jamie Foxx. And I introduced myself. We don't know each other. Ain't none of us famous. It's 1991, man. They gave everybody the lineup. I was on the last show of the night. I don't go on to 11 at night. I'd have had this, this four pieces of chicken. I'm starving, man. That chicken done wore off. I'm nervous, man. I'm about to throw up. D.L. Hughley went downstairs. D.L. Hughley got booed off. Dwayne Johnson got booed off. Jamie Foxx went down there and got booed. They booed Jamie, then Jamie started singing. And then they started clapping. And Jamie had their ass, then he went back to them jokes, and they got his ass. So I'm walking down the steps, and I see Jamie sitting on the steps. I said, hey, man, hang in there. He said, man, that ain't never happened to me before, man. This is crazy. This is Jamie Foxx, man, one of the most talented people 
in all of comedy. And now, you don't even know how nervous I am. I can't even. My breathing is shot because these dudes been booed. So I walk out. I had wrote this joke. Uh, Mike Tyson had got in a fight in Harlem with this heavyweight named Mitch Green. Mike Tyson had hit the dude in the eye in the store. Now he was on the news, his eye was swollen. So the joke I wrote was, they was interviewing Mitch Green and he was telling everybody what happened, but his eye took over the interview. And I wrote this joke that his eye started talking and was just, I tell you what happened. The heavyweight champ's fist is coming towards my face. I just said, Lord, Lord, Lord. And I wrote this whole joke about this dude's eyeball talking. And when the punch came, and all this here, I walked off stage, man, just started crying. I couldn't believe it. They paid me, I made $750 for being on TV for one night. I'd never made $750 telling jokes in one night. And so that was my first television appearance. A couple weeks later, Sinbad was the host of the show. He got this job at, on a different world. And so he quit. And so Mark Curry became the host. And then Mark Curry got hanging with Mr. Cooper. And he quit. And they came to me and said, would you come back to New York and host amateur night for us to just try you out. Oh, ain't no problem. And so I went to New York. I hosted amateur night. And I was killing. But every time we went to commercial break, I was supposed to let the warm-up act take over like Ruben does. But I knew not to let the warm-up act do that because he would change the attitude of the crowd because the Apollo was a wild place. So I stayed out there. I did the warm-up and the hosting. And I created a bond with that audience. And that's how I got on TV. It was my very first TV show. I hosted Showtime and Apollo. I ended up being the longest running host in the history of Showtime Apollo. I did that show for eight years. Nobody ever did it for eight years. And that was my turn back moment. See, in your life, everybody has a turn back moment. You have a moment where you can go forward or you can give up. But the thing you have to keep in mind before you give up is that if you give up, the guarantee is it will never happen. That's the guarantee of quitting, that it will never happen, no way under the sun. The only way the possibility remains that it can happen is if you never give up no matter what. Because God is always coming. He's never too late. At, at your worst moment, look man, when they told me I had to be in New York, I saw no way I could get there. But that God don't. He make the phone ring. I end up in Florida, I make $300. Then I go to New York, I make $750. Almost got $1,000 out of nowhere. That's, that's what happened to me. That was my, my moment of never giving up. That's when I first learned that faith was everything that that you have to remain faithful. When I was homeless, I had a lot of time to myself. Actually becoming homeless was exactly what I needed because God needed my undivided attention. And he had it for three straight years because I had nothing. And you know, I'm just one of them people where sometimes you just got to get my attention, you know what I mean? So 
I can't tell you about no education because I ain't got one. I ain't got no degree in nothing. I've been told my whole life you'll never be nothing simply because of the way you talk. You know how many times I've been, the way I talk, man, because you know I'm kind of country, I don't really, I don't really speak that good, you know, my, my English is not eloquent. I know that. But I ain't never let that stop me. When I first got on TV at NBC seven years ago, they sent a, a, a linguist to see me. I didn't even know what that was. I thought this lady was finna show me how to make spaghetti or something. I didn't know, I never heard this. What is a linguist? So the woman comes in my office and she says, are we ready to begin? And I said, excuse me, ma'am, who are you? She says, I'm your grammar coach. I said, for what? She said, NBC is of the understanding in order for you to be successful on daytime TV, you're gonna have to learn how to speak more eloquently. Oh, I said, I ain't finna do all that there. She said, excuse me? What did you just say? I said, I ain't finna do all that there. She said, say what you just said to me again slowly. I said, I ain't finna do all that there. She said, that's exactly why I'm here. Because that is improper grammar on every level. I said, yeah, but that's, I talk just like this here. She said, say that again. I said, I talk just like this here. She said, slow that down. I said, I talk just like this here. What's the problem? She said, if you don't learn how to speak more properly, you'll never be successful. I said, who told you that? You walked into my office. I'm already on TV. You know, what, where are you trying to go with this? See, the reason I'm not going to let you change my mind is because I've never known you up until this point. Now, I've made it to this point without you. I don't know how you figure I ain't going to get the rest of the way without you. So I'm just looking at this lady. She says, listen to me. If you don't learn how to speak better, you'll be off TV. I said, okay, well, let me ask you something. I said, which one of these sound best to you? I am broke or I'm is rich? I mean, you know, look, man, God gave me a life I never even really dreamed of. He gave me even beyond what I dreamed of. I mean, you think about it. The money they pay me is to wake up, I either play music, or I tell jokes. I either play music or I tell jokes. I entertain people for a living. They give me money. That's a blessing, man. See, see, when I wake up, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. See, that's the difference, man. Some people have to go to work. I get to go to work. I get to. I don't have to. You know, I mean, I was doing this for years for no money. But through grace and mercy, you know, he just kept blessing me. And then, you know, I got other things I want to accomplish, you know. I'm not through. And I've been at this a long time, man. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about the end, you know. But all I want to do now is make enough money to change a uh, kid's life. You know, my foundation is the most important thing. I'm going to do some stuff over here in uh, Ghana, Botswana, and Joburg. Those are three cities I'm targeting for my foundation to come and change.
you know, so that's what it is now. That's motivation, and then, you know, I'm a trailblazer, man. I got to show other people how to do it. You know, my job now is to show y'all how I did it. That's why I talk all the time about motivation. I talk more about motivation now than I do comedy. Because, you know, your career is what you paid for. Your calling is what you made for. So I'm in the calling part of my life now. You know, I have to, like when you ask me a question, see, I can't just, like if I tell you you got to write it down, I'm telling you how to make it. I'm just, you have to do this. If you, now, you can try to do it. If you, you can try to not do it. It's going to be hard. But so I always try to give people little pieces of wisdom because you're young. You know, everybody in this room, you want to be happy and you want to be successful. Everybody in here wants to be happy and successful. If you don't want to be happy and successful, there's something wrong with you. Most people want to be happy and successful. You just need the key. The how-to, that's my job, is to show you how-to. Like if I give you one scripture that can change your life and I tell you Rebecca 2 and 2, and then you don't follow that, that's not my fault. So now you know that you have to write it down. Like if you look at my iPhone, my iPhone has my vision board on it. I ain't got no picture, no dog, or my wife on my phone. My wife is at my house. My wife is, she's somewhere, she's in Rwanda right now. Because oh, I put stuff that I dream about on my iPhone. My vision is on. So every time my phone rings, I look at it. I think of my visions and dreams. Every time I pick up that phone, I should pick up that phone to make one of them dreams come true. When I open up my laptop, the same thing on the laptop. So every time I'm texting or email, I'm trying to make a dream come true. I don't have time for nonsense. You know, like, you, you know, like what they say about me in the blogs, I don't, it don't matter what they say. They don't know me. They don't even know me. They never met me. They say negative stuff about me. It don't mean nothing. Look at me. What I care what they say. God keeps blessing me. It don't matter what you say. You got to know who you are and whose you are. That's all you need to know. I know who I am and I know who I belong to. And that God of mine ain't going to let nothing happen to me that I can't have.